Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New, New England. England. What is up, everybody? Hello, welcome back. How's it going? Oh, it's going. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Still kicking. I, I feel like... <laughs> Making every, it work. I feel like every week we're just like, yeah, still Trudging. here. <laughs> I'm walking through a field of mud. <laughs> Trudging. <laughs> I'm dealing with quicksand more. I know. Maybe next week I'll be like army crawling through. <laughs> yeah. We're in the trenches. Yeah. Healthcare is... It's hard out here. Yeah, it is hard out here. You are still, I mean, you work nights. Mm-hmm. I have transitioned to day shift. I don't know. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you, those are two different jobs. Night shift and day shift. It doesn't matter if it's the same unit. You, it's totally different. It's like night and day. Ha ha. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it's been crazy. I've been doing a lot of stuff and, you know... Uh, I got to see two babies be born the other day. That's so cool. Which I love it. I'm not, I only do postpartum, so or I mostly do postpartum, so I'm not usually like in the delivery room. But now that I'm I'm on days, I get more of a chance to. So it's pretty awesome. Um, it was pretty neat. There's a lot of uh, very cool stuff about seeing a baby be born. So, and um, it never gets tired. I never get tired of it. I still get emotional every time. I'm like in the corner, like. You go, girl! I'm so excited. That's so cute. It's the best. I love it. And my coworkers, I love them very much. All of them. They're very sweet. Um, we've recently started playing music, like, over a speaker in the nurse's station. Like, very gentle, quiet. And, like, every day they're like, Liz. They joke and they're like, can we put your podcast on? And I'm like, <laughs> no. They're like, whoa. They joke that they're going to do it. I don't know if they ever actually would, but they, they at least joke that they want to. And I'm like, Oh no. There are families here. Yes. <laughs> it's not appropriate. Yes. It's not appropriate. We <laughs> say very inappropriate and scary things. But and they always give me suggestions. They're like, Did you do the little girl that disappeared in so and so? And I'm like, I have her on my list. And they're like, What about the guy in the Sako who did the thing with his pants? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff, so you know. I'll, I will say that there's something much different about waking up at 5 a.m. than waking up at 5 p.m. And ironically, waking up at 5 a.m. is way worse. Something about it's like, it's really, truly fucking awful. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not a morning person no, at all. No, I feel like if I were to transition, it would be disastrous. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel more well-rested, though. Because I sleep overnight and that's like, you know, your circadian mm-hmm. rhythm. So I'm like, okay, that's good. But man, I'm telling you, waking up at 5 a.m., I'm like, I think I, I want to die. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I need, oh, it's awful. But when I'd wake up at 5 p.m., I'd be like, ah, I'm so refreshed. <laughs> just another night of work. And it's like, la, la, la. But then halfway through your shift, you're like, I oh. want nothing but the sweet release of death. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's funny because night shift there's not as much going on, especially when your population is healthy. So these people are just waiting to give birth or have newborns. So they're typically, they don't need like, you know, antibiotics or like something really serious. They just need like, you know, Tylenol and Motrin because they're in pain, they're sore. And then the babies, you know, they feed their baby. Like it's great. It's very independent. So night shift, they're mostly sleeping when they can wake up, feed the baby and then go back to bed. Day shift. Oh, no, no. No, no. I gotta discharge people now. I gotta give... I gotta educate. 
I gotta, I mean, I, I help with breastfeeding and like things like that. And I'm like, man, night shift, you people just sleep. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, crazy stuff. Oh my God. It's so hit or miss at my place. Cause it's like, is it a full moon coming oh, up? Oh shit. What's going to go on? Am I walking into a riot? I can't even imagine a full moon where you work. Now, yeah. explain this to the people who are like, why, are they werewolves? Do you take care of werewolves? So, fun fact, the term lunatic actually comes from luna, meaning the moon, because the moon affects us. Our, I mean, the moon cycles. affects... Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, women, obviously, mm-hmm. we have cycles similar to the moon cycles, but we're mostly made of water, and the moon controls the water and the waves and the tides. If you ask members of law enforcement, they're going to tell you that you, they see a lot more crime with the full moon. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like three days before, three days after. Mm-hmm. It was way worse at my last job when I was in a locked dementia unit because they are really vulnerable to any changes. Yep. So it was like three days before the full moon, you would walk onto the unit and you would feel that something was off. And yep. you're like, what day is it? When is, when's, when's the full moon? What's mm-hmm. going on? Like, oh my God. It happens with... Any patient, mm-hmm. even like especially the elderly and or mentally, mentally ill, Ill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is where you work, yeah. So, god, that must be terrible, yeah. But, Scary yeah, depends, it's kind of like rolling the dice every time you go in. Like, will the unit be sleeping? Yeah, will it be one kid, especially when I'm, when I'm with the kids? Yeah, kicking it up, and yeah, we've had a couple kids that they'll go into the seclusion room and it echoes, <gasps> it should be uh soundproof, but it's yeah. not. So it echoes, and we've had a couple, like, I'm going to wake up the whole fucking unit. (laughs) "Uh, You better not, because Uh it's me and two other people to a full unit of kids, and then it will be a riot situation. Uh So, uh, yeah, I don't feel like calling the police to come to the unit. So let's uh, tone it down. Let's Let's pretend the moon is not there. I'll tuck you in, give you a little kiss goodnight. (laughs) Time for bed. Yeah, seriously. Jesus. So it's very hit or miss. It really is. Yeah. So, at least when I work now, I don't have to deal with the full moon, you know, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. The full moon, man. I mean, true crime, too. Bringing it back to true crime. Yeah. Yep. With the law enforcement, that's pretty... I didn't know that part. Makes sense. My grandfather was a detective for the New York Police Department. He swore up and down. He'd say, okay, it's a full moon. I'm going to be home late from work. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I have my work cut out for me tonight. Yeah. I believe it. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, true crime. How it it brings us all together. <laughs> right? Speaking, Speaking of, of which. <laughs> Speaking of bringing us all together, if you listen to last week's episode, we talked about a giveaway that we're doing. And this is just a reminder that if you have not rated and or reviewed us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please do so and send us proof that you did so and we will enter you into our giveaway that is up next week on march 3rd yes we we're calling it march 3rd Mm -hmm. we'll say the time the podcast the episode comes out you know like 8 a.m we're gonna if you didn't know our podcast is released every thursday at 8 a.m so we'll just cut it off right then we'll say okay that's your deadline so march 3rd 8 a.m get all your uh proof in and we'll enter you in a random name generator and you can win either first, second, or third prize. Mm-hmm. Katie? First prize, if you did not listen to last week's episode or you need a refresher, mm-hmm. it is a reusable tote bag with our logo on it, True Crime New England. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you also get a pin, a True Crime New England pin, what? and then a big old True Crime New England bumper sticker. Yeah. Second prize, which is still really cool. Yep. It's a smaller sticker, but it's still durable. You can put it on your car. You can use it outside on your laptop, water bottle, whatever you want to mm-hmm. do. Um, we stuck them to some street posts and such outside. So if you're kicking around the area, you might see some. What? What? <laughs> yeah. But you get a sticker and a pen. And then third prize is a little sticker. Yay. They're Yay. cute. They're really cute. They're perfect. Perfect bumper stickers. Perfect for your water bottle. Mm-hmm. Perfect for your laptop. Perfect for your forehead. Perfect True. for your favorite pair of pants. Just let the world know. Yeah, you represent. Yeah. <laughs> but it is really cool. And um, if you guys wanted more full details, you can go to last week's uh, beginning of the episode and we'll you'll find out more. And we are really excited and we hope you uh, give us a shot. Yes. Because I, um, I think it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. It's just the first giveaway of I'm sure we'll do more. Because it's already, we're really excited. For sure. And also, if you're wondering what these things look like, or if you want the details written, if you'd like to read things versus Mm -hmm. listen to them, you can go over to our Instagram, and there'll be a post on there about it as well. All right. Perfect. Hell yeah. I'm so excited for that. It's going to be so fun and rewarding, so. And it'll help us. You help us. We help you. Yay. Yay. Teamwork. Yay. (laughs) So... Anyway, to go on with our episode today, um, we will be going back to New Hampshire um, and talking about, I feel like a lot of the times lately we've been doing a lot of unsolved. Yeah. You know, that's been our, our theme lately. Nothing wrong with it, but the ending is always less satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have yet another one today, and it is heartbreaking, but it wouldn't be true crime New England or true crime if it wasn't heartbreaking. This is true. I mean, today's case especially, I feel like most times when I'm researching, I feel emotions and feel things, but this one, I felt so perplexed about the whole situation and the circumstances, and there's just no closure, which is really frustrating always. Yeah, and you were the one who added it to our list, and Mm -hmm. you were really advocating for this case, because I hadn't heard of it, so I'm glad we're doing it. It's definitely puzzling, it's troubling, and... um, it's sad. Yeah. So we're always happy to get word, the word out there on cases like this. So I'm glad we're doing it. And without further ado, we will be covering the disappearance, disappearance of Michael McLean. All right. Let's get started and go over our sources. Katie, please. I had storiesoftheunsolved.com, wmurpatch.com, findmikemclean.com, which is a website his family made for him. Yeah. That one, you can go on and you can read stories and just kind of tidbits from family members and friends, and it's yeah. really, really sad. It is sad. It's really nice. They did a good job. Yes. Um, I also had nbcnews.com. And lostandmissing.org, which is oh. a nonprofit organization based in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Cool. They make amazing missing persons posters. Oh, nice. And like the flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have probably seen a bunch of them on our Instagram. Anything else? Nope. Okay. I have um, also some of those, especially that Find Mike McLean. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and also I have a few New Hampshire patch pages. So I have the Concord New Hampshire patch and the Na Nashua New Hampshire patch. I also have um, Newsbreak Original and Web Sleuths. Cool. We love a good Web Sleuths. Alright, so to start us off, we'll talk a little bit about Michael McLean himself. Um, Michael McLean was born on February 5th of 1990 to parents Edward McLean and Paula Judkins. And he grew up in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, he was known to be a crazy jokester, mm -hmm. loved to make people laugh. So funny. Yep. His friends, his family, I imagine he was probably like the class clown. He gives off those vibes from these stories. He sounds like he was just a prank, like a prankster, a jokester. Mm -hmm. Someone you and I would get along with because you and I, we're your, like, we like to be that. For sure. Level. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. Um, he was also athletic and loved sports, but most notably he was big into basketball. That was his thing. So he graduated high school in 2008 and went to Hessler College, which is now known as Mount Washington College. And interestingly enough, he got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice there. Isn't that very ironic? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. So he, again, another reason why I think he'd be friends with us because we would probably talk about true crime with him. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, as we do with everyone else. Um, he had a really loving family, and he was also really, really close with both his mom and his father, and Paula, his mom, referred to Michael as the sunshine of her life. Oh my god. Such a good guy. Yeah. He ended up moving to Manchester, New Hampshire, mm -hmm. and around, shortly after he moved here, he started working at Easter Seals, which is a non-profit organization that works with mostly youth with disabilities or behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. Um... I work mostly on a pediatric unit in a psychiatric hospital, and so we get a lot of kids that have been at Easter Seals or are affiliated somehow with them. And yeah. I will say, working at Easter Seals, I have not had that experience, but mm -hmm. a lot of my coworkers have. Yeah. And from their stories, it is no joke. Really? A lot of the kids there, very behavioral. Yeah. Um, a lot of them can be very violent. Yeah. And it's just... One of my coworkers described it as a war zone. Really? Yeah, it is no fucking joke. So it wow. really speaks to Michael's character that he worked with not only this population, but it was also said that he had a really great relationship with these kids and his coworkers, a really good rapport with them. Yeah. And he was described as being a really good role model for these kids. Good. So it just speaks to who he was as a person. Yeah. He really was just a good guy. And I know sometimes with missing people especially where you don't know what happened to them mm -hmm. or you don't know the circumstances really sometimes it's easy to paint a picture of you know they had a smile that lit up the room like you hear that all the time with true yeah. crime but yeah this is true for who michael was mm -hmm. just a really good guy it really seemed like he was just and the fact that he was working so closely with children with behavioral problems and you know so much better than i that is hard work and he liked what he did, and he still, he kept that rapport, and he enjoyed it, and mm -hmm. he was, he really does seem like he was a good guy. Yeah, one of my friends from work now actually had the pleasure of working with Michael. Wow. And it seemed like he had a really good rapport with his supervisors, his bosses, his coworkers. A lot yeah. of them would hang out outside of work. And nice. Yeah, good Aww. guy. That's awesome. That's cool. I didn't know your coworker had worked with him. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's crazy. Yeah, he seemed like he was just a good guy. Easter Seals, again, no joke. I didn't realize how bad it was. A war zone. 
they make a difference and they do a lot of good, but you know, it's not easy. It's hard, hard work. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Ugh. So, you know, he loved what he did. He was loved his family. He had a lot of great friends. So, his disappearance is puzzling. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go over the night in question and when he was last seen. So, on the evening of April 20th, 2019, Michael traveled to Nashio, New Hampshire. Remember, he lived in Manchester. And he and two friends spent the night at Tropical Lounge Nightclub, located at 14 West Hollis Street. You know, they were partying, they were chilling, they were hanging out. And then an altercation broke out in the parking lot between two young women, one of them who Michael knew. Mm -hmm. So it was originally thought that Michael had tried to intervene and de-escalate the situation between the two women. Mm -hmm. But it was later determined that he was not involved with the altercation. Yeah, a few places it said different things, but Mm -hmm. I think the overwhelming majority said that he was there and he was maybe... Like, on the sidelines, but he wasn't a part of it. Correct. Yeah. So this all happened in the parking lot. Um, So this nightclub, for those of you that are familiar with the Nashua area, it has now been renamed to the Opus Lounge. Oh. O-P-U-S, just for anybody that is aware of the location that Mm. might be able to um, help with this case later. Interesting. So with this altercation in the parking lot, the police arrived at about 1.45 in the morning, and this puts us at the early morning of April 21st. Okay. The crowd was still there. It had started to disperse. The police are like, okay, everybody, go home, get yeah. moving, go inside, go to your cars. Yeah. Do what you gotta do, leave. Like, you yeah. can't be gathering here. And this is when Michael's friends believe that they got separated. Right. And that seems to make sense because, you know, they were in this big group, and suddenly when it dispersed, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So. It's a little suspicious. It's definitely like, okay, where'd he go? Like, that's bizarre. Um, so, about this altercation, his dad, Edward, said, Michael tried to break it up because he didn't feel it was right. It got a little rowdy out there and everyone dispersed. And I think, like we said, he wasn't, um, like, in a fight with anyone. When it first initially started, he was like, whoa, and then a crowd gathered and they were on the sidelines. Yeah. So, you know... It just seems like this was weird timing and a weird situation with, it seems like, a lot of witnesses. Like, where did he go? Mm-hmm. Weird. It's very strange. And there's kind of, this has not been proven in any of the articles that we read, but there are some people that know Michael that think that the altercation was with the two women. And then when Michael was like, okay, I know that girl, mm-hmm. the girl's boyfriend or someone else that knew the girl had stepped in and was like, hey, oh. what's your problem? Yeah. Or, one of those. That's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But, I mean, it's disputed whether or not he was involved, whether yeah. or not he wasn't. A lot of sources are saying he knew the girl involved. Some sources are saying he wasn't involved in the altercation at all. Right, right. So it's like what really happened because it's one of those where somebody knows something yes. and no one is saying anything. Right. Which is not helpful and kind of suspicious as well. Like, yeah. why aren't you saying anything? what really happened right so when the crowd finally dispersed like we said michael was gone um he had left his car at his friend's house so it was assumed that he had probably walked away or you know he was traveling on foot um his friends waited for him for like 45 minutes yeah and then they left 
And they're trying to reach him, too. They're texting, calling, like, Michael, where are you? We yeah. gotta leave, bro. We gotta go back to Manchester. What are yeah. you doing? Where'd you go? He's not answering. He's not answering. Which is, again, suspicious, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially because shortly before 2 a.m., Michael called his boss and told her, they're after me, more than one. And that was it. So she tried to call him back, and he never answered her. That was really scary. So his boss in this role was more like a supervisor, but they were pretty mm. close. Okay. Um, it was like a supervisor or a manager more so, but yeah. she was indeed his boss. She sure. did have um, authority over him, I guess, in the position at work. They were pretty close friends. She would often pick him up after a night out, so it wasn't unusual for him to call her at this okay. hour. Yeah. And say, hey, I was just at this club, or hey, you know, I've been drinking, do you mind giving me a ride home? Right. Or, hanging out so it really was not out of the ordinary for him to call her that's good to know because on web salutes a lot of people are saying why would he call his boss and not his friends that he was with or law enforcement or his family you know like why was that his first you know decision but that makes sense right and i wonder if too he could have had her this is just speculation but yeah he could have had her as the emergency contact in his phone sure if this was the case if he was regularly communicating with her and they would give each other rides after nights out and right it was kind of like a regular thing so his boss was like you know it's not crazy that he did this yeah and she also noted that it seemed like he was out of breath and it was as if he had been running oh he sounded kind of winded and you know what that kind of tracks with there after me like you he know, was like, running away. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And another really weird thing, and it's like the last, one of the last things he did on his phone, um, was he sent three text messages, and to they were to his neighbor, and they made no sense. Mm-hmm. The first one said, in all caps, "Help, lol, our like our dog," and then the next one said, "What stood aloof," and the third one said. Eldridge bro so one of the theories is that maybe he was um using voice to text yeah to type like to say these things Mm -hmm. um because what none of that makes sense no the only thing that makes a little sense is that um Eldridge street is um the a street near the nightclub that he was at that's the only thing that would have made sense yeah but the rest it was like Huh? What are you trying to say? Another thing I was thinking, too, was if he was running or maybe walking fast to get away from someone or he's maybe looking over his shoulder, really paying attention to his surroundings. Yeah. He maybe was typing quickly. Exactly. And then autocorrect or spell check, which is such a bitch. Yeah, it really can't be. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so annoying. So imagine if you aren't really giving 100% into communicating. Right. You're more focused on other things, or maybe somebody is after you and chasing you, and yeah. you're just trying to send a text message, like "I'm at Eldridge Street, can you pick me up?" Right. Or right. "Come get me, Eldridge." Yes. Yeah. And it's coming off as this, where it makes no sense. Yeah. I think too, it's pretty scary that the first text message that he sent, the first word was "help." Yeah. In, in all, all caps. caps. Yeah. That is very That's concerning. Not good. Yeah, that is not good. I bet you he didn't mean "lol." Like, help, lol. No. That's probably, again, like what you said, autocorrect, or it was a voice-to-text kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it was very obvious he was, help, I don't know if that was a mistake. Doesn't feel like it. And the fact that that is in all caps, too, that seemed to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is why maybe it was autocorrect and not voice to text. Um, so that was the last message or contact he made off of his phone. But um, his phone last pinged at the McDonald's on East Hollis Street around 2 a.m. There was also video surveillance about an hour later, around 3.30-ish, showing him entering and exiting a parking garage at Riverfront mm-hmm. Landing, which was near Bancroft Street and the Mer- Merrimack River. Um, according to reports, Michael saw an acquaintance while he was traveling towards the McDonald's, and according to the witness, he made no attempt to tell him he was in distress, and he appeared calm and collected, and almost like he was waiting for a ride. So, that doesn't add up to, like, if he said, help, LOL, whatever, right. or called his boss and said, they're, they're following me, they're after me, more than one. So it was bizarre. Very bizarre. It's also very strange to me that some reports are saying that he had stopped into a convenience store yes. on East Hollow Street to make a call. Yes. But it's not known if he placed any calls from this location. Right. Because it would not have pinged on his cell phone. We have the, the cell phone records. Right. It did not ping there, that location. Right. Um, and I feel as though they would have gotten him on surveillance there. Right, because I feel like all convenience stores have a little camera. Yeah. So another reason why this is all suspicious, like something happened to him, is because April 21st it was Easter um, that year, and so he didn't call his mom, he didn't call his grandma, he didn't show up to any like Easter party, so that was very concerning. Mm-hmm. Very unlike him. Very. And then the next day, April 22nd, it was a Monday, he didn't show up to work. Again, very unlike him. So that was suspicious. And it was like, okay, what, what's happening? He didn't just walk away. If he had walked away, he would have called his mom. He was too close to his family to not contact them. Way too close. They were freaking out at this point because... Yeah. They had not heard from him, mm-hmm. and when they tried to call him, his phone went straight to voicemail. Oh, God. He also missed his sister's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, them being in Connecticut and him being in New Hampshire, he probably wouldn't have gone down, especially during the work week. Yeah. But he would have called. Absolutely. And they did not receive a phone call from him. And the sad part is, too, is that his sister was 13. Yeah. So, oh, that must be so hard. So. Yep. Now they're thinking in their head, his parents are especially worried. He didn't just walk away. He did make an attempt, his phone call to his boss, that text message to his neighbor, the surveillance video. He didn't have a car. What the fuck happened? Right? So this was, like we said, this was in April of 2019. So that'll be almost three years coming up. Mm -hmm. He still has not been found. Why? Well, let's talk about the search a little bit. Of course, naturally, his parents and his family and his friends searched very hard and still are to this day. Mm -hmm. They still have posters up and they still make regular announcements like on their website and Facebook page. Regular updates. But the sad part is there's not really any updates. Right. It's always been the same. And which is totally... Unfortunate and so suspicious. And it's really crazy to me because Michael's parents have traveled from Connecticut to New Hampshire numerous times in order to search for Michael and spread the word about this case themselves. Right. Because they feel, and I would have to agree with them, that they have to do 
these things because nobody else is doing it for them. Exactly. Or they're doing it, but, you know, it's half-assed and it's died down in the weeks after his disappearance. Right, right. I mean, they were, his parents, from Connecticut to New Hampshire, came up here and they were searching for their son, whether it was his body or an article of clothing or a credit card or his phone or something. They had to search for him. They looked in wooded areas, alleyways, water sources, highways, underpasses, and they even went door to door and were questioning nearby businesses. You know, are you sure you haven't seen him? Are you sure you didn't get him on your surveillance? Right. Are you sure you don't know anything? You know, I know he's not from Nashua. He's from Manchester, but he he has friends that live here and he parked his car at this place. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. And just the fact that they had to do it, I get it, like, a lot of families will do that on top of police work, but they were doing it, like, in place of the police work. Yeah. The P- Nashua Police Department wasn't doing shite at all. So, and it's crazy because, you know, when asked if they felt that the Nashua Police were doing enough, th- his parents said no. And Paula says that she was just so frustrated with this law enforcement group and she felt that they weren't giving any updates on anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost wondering, is it because they didn't have any updates? Maybe. But regardless, they weren't giving any information to his own family. Right. In fact, Paula Judkins, his mother, also said that she felt as though the National Police Department were writing Michael off as, quote, just another missing black man. Which is heartbreaking, but probably true probably true Mm -hmm. this is another really great example of racism in the police community and you know the true crime community you have a black man who's missing and the police department are like well they actually said it wasn't a suspicious disappearance which i always love when they throw that in there like oh it was nothing suspicious nobody else was involved no foul play suspected bullshit yeah fuck that his first text message he sent, the first word was HELP, yeah. all caps. Yeah. And he called his boss, who usually comes and gets him, mm-hmm. panting and out of breath, saying that people are chasing him. Yeah. That's... Uh... And it was not the police that were chasing him, because they were still at the parking lot with the altercation. That's right. And it wasn't like a, a thing where cops are chasing people into the woods as they're running away, and yeah. no, they just came and broke up the crowd and yeah. left. So it doesn't make sense that he was running from, you know, people are saying, well, he must have been involved and he's fleeing the police. And no, no you idiot. No. no, no, that is not what happened. That's victim blaming. That's victim. Right. Are you making that assumption because he's black? Like, that's a very. Right. And <sighs> guess what? If he was running from the police, where'd he go? Exactly. He was running from something. And why didn't he show up? If he was running from the police, you can assume he would eventually, like when it was all clear, come back home. Or call somebody. Right. Or answer his friend's text messages and calls. Right. What kills me is that the police and investigators are basically telling family he probably drowned in the Merrimack River. Oh my god. And his family, especially his mom, is saying, um, no, I don't think you understand. Our son is very athletic. Yep. He's a great swimmer. Yeah. And also, it's been almost three years, if someone drowns in a river... You have a body. Yeah, you can, you should. 
they searched the river. His family was searching the river. Of course, because the fucking law enforcement mm-hmm. wasn't. Other people are searching the river. Yeah. No one has found anything. No. Not so much as his phone. No. Like, an article of clothing he was wearing. Nothing. Yeah. So I really myself am not so sure about this whole drowning in the river theory you know i'm not either but at the same time you know i was going down web sleuths and people were like well i really don't like that there was the merrimack river right nearby and Mm -hmm. he was probably like he was at a club maybe he was drinking um i'm sure i mean sure maybe in that apparently there have been a lot of i mean i don't know if a lot is relative but like more than one situation where a man who was drinking ended up in the merrimack river and drowned. Yeah. Is it a possibility? Sure. Is it more likely that he that happened than him just walking away? Yes. But I'm not convinced. And I'm not a fan of the circumstances around it with the text messages and the phone calls. And, you know, I feel like there's more going on. Yeah. Even if someone was after him and did something to him and his body ended up in the river. Why hasn't it been found? Why has it not been found, number one? And number two, why is that aspect not being investigated? Right. That's, yeah. So it's like, there are some theories, but it's still so unclear. And the worst part, like we said, the National Police Department made that statement. They were like, oh, no, 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 they didn't, this wasn't suspicious. He, He walked away. And they said they received a lot of false leads based on, and I quote, innuendo, social media speculation, and people trying to fill in the gaps. Which, you know what? That's what a lot of us web armchair sleuths Mm -hmm. do. But, for a reason. Because fill in the gaps, you're not filling in the gaps. Right. Why are there gaps to be filled? Exactly. Exactly. So, unfortunately, as it often goes, it really seems as though the law enforcement dropped the ball here. Mm -hmm. And continue to. Every it's day. Just so frustrating. I mean, even to this day, Edward McLean, Michael's father, he says that he's only received brief updates from investigators and he feels as though police are not doing enough to solve the case. Mm-hmm. And he also has said repeatedly they haven't looked into all aspects of the disappearance. They admitted that. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. This is making me so mad. I've said fuck a lot this episode, <laughs> but because it's just making me so angry. It's really upsetting. Um, Investigators say that they have interviewed or spoken with all witnesses involved in the altercation at the nightclub, as well as some of Michael's co-workers and friends, Mm -hmm. but their statements have not led to any further developments. I'm telling you, someone's got to know something. Paula Judkins, Michael's mother, has not given up hope, and she believes her son is alive and will return home. God, I hope for her sake, you know, it's so obvious, and we have a really nice picture of the two of them. Mm Mm-hmm posted and it's just the poor family no answers still and his social media accounts have been not not used his bank accounts have not been used his credit cards nothing Mm -hmm. you don't just disappear like that not when you're that involved with your family and your job so michael mclean went missing from west hollis street in nashua new hampshire on april 21st of 2019 He was 29 years old at the time of this incident. At the time of his disappearance, he had a a medium build, standing at 5'10 and weighing about 190 pounds. 
His brown hair was worn in braids, and he had brown eyes, but he was known to wear green contact lenses. Both of his ears are pierced, and he was last seen with a goatee-style beard, and he also had various tattoos on his hands and forearms. In the surveillance footage, it appears as though he was wearing a black t-shirt with a large white graphic on the front, a gold chain, a red Gucci belt, blue jeans, and black and red Jordan sneakers. Anyone with any information on Michael McLean's whereabouts is asked to please contact the Manchester, New Hampshire Police. Their phone number is 603-668-8711. You can also call the Nashua Police Criminal Investigation Division. Their phone number is 603-594-3500. It is case number 19-26944. And you can request to remain anonymous for both those numbers. That's important to know. I mean, somebody knows something. Mm -hmm. So if you or a loved one was in Nashville, New Hampshire at this time, April 21st of 2019, and you think you saw anything, and you're like sitting here like, I wasn't near there, but I saw, no, that was, that's not suspicious. Maybe it was. If you know something, say something. Mm -hmm. Very important. This family, this man's family misses him and needs answers. And there's so many frustrations with this case. I mean, aside from the law enforcement, I think the fact that the lounge in which he was last seen was renamed. Yeah. That contributes to a lot of confusion. Yep. Um, I think also if the Merrimack River theory does hold any weight, the timing of this is really unfortunate because Mm -hmm. it's late April. Yeah. And with this year and around this time, the Merrimack River currents are often very strong because of melting snow and snow melt. Um, Personally, I don't buy the theory that he drowned on his own. On his own, yeah. Mm-hmm. If he is in the Merrimack River, it's because of someone else, would be my guess, too. So, with that, that's the case of the disappearance of Michael McLean, mm-hmm. and it is a sad one. It just, you can tell he was a good guy. So, it's heartbreaking to know that he's still out there and nobody knows where he is. It's awful stuff. Mm hmm. So, per usual, you guys, uh, if you want to tell us your theories, we'd love to hear them. Or if you're familiar with the case, definitely let us know. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrueCrimeNE. All lowercase. And you can email us at TrueCrimeNE at gmail.com. Or you can find us on our website at TrueCrimeNE.com. We have a submission tool where you can send us your theories, your stories, cases you'd like for us to cover, things you'd like to talk to us about questions, comments, concerns, you do have the option to remain anonymous if you so choose. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear from you either way. Yes, please. And thank you guys for listening. Please remember, enter our giveaway. Yeah. We will be announcing the winner on March 3rd at around 8 a.m. That's when it closes. So get your reviews in and uh, you may just be compensated for it. Ooh. Ooh, fun stuff. (laughs) All right, and with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.